All right, this is the Canopy Live podcast, and this episode's a little bit different than our usual episodes. Christy and I are not actually in the same room together. <laughs> no. uh, we are recording online and uh, worked hard to get this set up so that Christy could communicate everything uh, that is going on with Canopy Life here in the U.S. and in Kenya, given our current circumstances. And I know you released a video earlier today, this won't release for a few days, but earlier today that had some information about uh, what's going on. Would you like to share that here at the beginning of the podcast as well, Chrissy? Sure. I mean, honestly, Evan, all of us, anyone listening to this knows that everything is changing uh, on a regular basis. So there's a good chance by the time this podcast releases that the information is out of date. Um, the premise of it is just our staff and students in Kenya are safe and healthy. Kenya has definitely had some interesting challenges as they've tried to fight the virus and flatten the curve, uh, especially as it pertains to the mandatory curfew that was um, put in place by the president. Um, and there's also some challenges coming their way as the virus spreads with their healthcare. But all of that's captured in uh, the video that is currently on our blog. So if you go to our website and check out our blog, and most likely if we've given another update, then the most recent information will be on there as well uh, by the time they're listening to this. A podcast. That's great. So to stay the most up to date, uh, go to the Canopy Life's website and their blog, and uh, you'll be continuing to to put updates there as things unfold. Right. Yes. Awesome. That's, That's great. And so today in this podcast episode, I think we're going to be discussing a little bit more uh, mindset right now, which yeah. uh, you and I both know can change as well yes. uh, <laughs> as we engage with topics and learn new things. Uh, some things that we believe or some things that we think can change, and that's okay. But it is helpful sometimes to talk about uh, where we're at in our mindset as we mm -hmm. enter into something, especially uh, something as impactful as uh, our current situation with this this virus that's um, making its way around the world. Mm -hmm. uh, so I know you you sent over kind of this. Uh, outline of things to talk about, which I absolutely love, by the way. And I'm just going to kind of walk through and, and set us up to discuss uh, this uh, outlook or your perspective. Do you have anything you'd like to say before we jump yeah. into the first one? I mean, I think you and I both talked before we started recording that this is probably one of the first times that I've shared my personal perspective um, on how what's going on right now our my, as a leader all of our perspectives uh, dictate our decisions where we're coming from impact how we make decisions and um, I actually spent the first couple of weeks of um, the shelter at home or the social distancing just absorbing information and processing like I'm sure a lot of us were and as much as I try to not share my personal opinions or perspectives, I mean, there's so many opinions out there right now. I'm sure that mine doesn't matter. Um, and I also know that uh, that I tend to not share opinions because I'm scared that in four or five years, I'm going to listen to this podcast and be like, oh, what was I thinking? I was so immature. <laughs> um, but I do think as we're all, I mean, this is unprecedented, right? That we're all processing the same mm -hmm the same dilemma. We're all in different ways. It's hitting us all in different ways, but we're all in this global united struggle. Um, and at mm -hmm. different seasons, I thought that um, I would like to share some of the thoughts that have come together to form our current mindset for me. And of course, as it indicates canopy life, um, and it's really nothing is original. It's all curated from different sources that have been sent my way. 
um, but has become this very solid thought in my mind for right now. And I wanted to share it with people who may be interested to listen. Yeah, I really like that. And I like that as a preface uh, <laughs> as well, that uh, we just are processing together. And yeah. I, I also like, I'm just going to say things I like here at the beginning. <laughs> I like that whenever you say we or I say we, uh, currently that doesn't mean the United States. It, it yes. means humanity. Yeah. It means us as a world. And that's a really yes. cool thing to be able to think about when I say we. And and I yes. don't know any other time in my life that I've said we and yeah. it meant uh, all of humanity together. Yes. Um, so that's I, just, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I, I was going to say, I agree. I do think that some of the things I'm sharing, I probably process specifically through the perspective of a young entrepreneurial, um, nonprofit leader who's a believer. So, um, I know that the way I've processed it is different than others, but I do think we can all learn from the way that we're processing, uh, what we're going through as a globe. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, totally agree. Okay, so let's jump into it. Sure. Um, this first idea that we're we're going to discuss is there is a lot coming and things may never be the same. Yeah. Ooh, this might be the hardest part. <laughs> I'm just for anyone listening, just hold on tight, and I promise you, this is going to get to. I I consider this a very hopeful thought, but um, I know it can be. It also has a lot of other weight to it. Um, I was sent an article. It's honestly was sent to me by several people. So I think it's probably circulated. Um, and we will be sharing links, by the way, to all the articles that we mention in the blog, um, where you can also find a recording of this podcast. Um, but the title of the article was Leading Beyond the Blizzard, Why Every Organization is Now a Startup. It's by um, Andy Crouch and Kurt, I think his name is Kyle Hacker and David Blanchard out of Praxis. Praxis is an incubator for redemptive entrepreneurship. So they, they help people get their amazing ideas off the ground. And it has a very um, theological basis to it. Um, and Andy Crouch is actually the theological and cultural partner at Praxis. But he co-wrote it with um, one of the board members and also the co-founder of Praxis. And really what this article, it's, it's very long, but it is worth the read. And what it speaks to is how our mindset, like how we are all viewing this pandemic. Um, and he was trying to make the point, I keep saying he, because I, I guess I consider Andy Crouch the main author. Um, I don't know that for sure, but it was written in a single voice. So, so I'm assuming, um, but it, that this is, he kind of used the analogy of a blizzard that a lot of us are hunkering down, like this is a temporary storm, and if we can just hunker down and get through these weeks of social, social isolation or even sheltering in place, that we will, everything will return back to normal. We just need to, you know, get through the season, and and then the blizzard will stop, and we'll get back to normal. Um, but his point was, it's it's also other things. It's, it has a longer impact that this um, this pandemic is impacting us in a way that will can reshape, um, cultures and, and the way that we see things and that not, not just a blizzard, it's also a winter, like, which is a more extended period with multiple blizzards in it. Um, and, and above and beyond that, it even could be a teeny little ice age, uh, like a once in a lifetime change that's likely to affect our lives and our organization for years. And it was just such an interesting perspective because, I've been talking to a lot of people in the last few weeks, and I've literally heard a lot of this blizzard, sometimes winter mentality, but I rarely talk to people right now, at least in the folks that I'm talking to, who understand that this this 
the impact of what's happening currently, like today in our lives could last for two or three years. And the normal that we walk into after it may be very different than what it was before. And I think the reason we're having a hard time wrapping our head around that is because it, that brings a lot of grief with it, especially right now when it's really, there's a lot of stress on people's lives. There's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. So they don't want to anticipate that that anxiety would last for a little ice age, right? So you just automatically, for the sake of survival, you cut off that mentality. And that's not what the article was saying at all. I actually found the article to have a lot of hope in it, in that it's he's not saying that the anxiety and stress level that we're under right now is going to last for years. He's just speaking to the fact that there's no way we as a globe can go through this heavy of a blizzard that will probably stretch itself into a much longer period of time globally, especially when it comes to the economy and when it comes to um, politics, when it comes to the way that our businesses run and structure, there's no way we can do that. We can go through that and not have to adapt, um, adapt the way that we are thinking and living in order to um, make, uh, in order to receive the new normal, I guess. I feel like I'm talking around uh, in, in circles, but he's just talking to the need, the need to um, immediately innovate is going to be critical. Um, right. And especially for leaders, we need to be able to kind of forget our current playbook is the way he puts it and rethink our mission and, and the assets we have on hand and, and even the community we serve, like how do we, how do we change how we serve them? And you're seeing that already, right? Like we're only three weeks into even, uh, even social distancing. I know that Georgia is about to begin a statewide shelter in place today as we're talking. Um, but you're seeing it already in that churches are having to rethink how they serve the people that they serve in order just to offer Sunday morning services, much less the other things that the church exists to do and be. And um, you see businesses pivoting, um, trying to figure out how to serve their clients um, with under the current challenges and circumstances. And some businesses are doing that really well, and some are really struggling to do that. Um, Teachers and schools are having to do that um, to figure out under our new challenges, how do you pivot to serve, um, to serve the people in the community that you are placed in as a business or a leader um, to serve. And so I I just thought it was really interesting, um, the importance of getting our minds wrapped around not the likelihood, but the very real possibility that this is a much longer storm. <laughs> it's 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 a little ice age as opposed to just the blizzard we're in now or the winter that we'll be in still in three to six months, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I, the terminology or the language used here has been really helpful for me after you sent it over. Uh, I think I've gone through the process. I can think back to days because we're still so close to everything changing. Right. And it's happening quite rapidly. I know the day that I went from thinking this was absolutely nothing to thinking yeah. it was a blizzard. And then the day that I went from thinking it was a blizzard to thinking that uh, it was, or is it a, a winter or yeah, winter's next. So then yeah. a winter. And then the day that I was like, Oh no, I, I think I might be thinking that this is an ice age or it could be yeah. an ice age. And, yeah. and it, I, I maybe fluctuate between those still, but the language and how to approach talking about such a thing is really cool. Yeah. It makes me think about something, uh, father Richard Rohr talks about, which is this idea of moving from orientation to disorientation, back to reorientation. Mm. And I, I don't want to go too deep into each of those because I think we're moving through that here in this conversation. But what we had before this was orientation. It was stability. It was this time of, of what we would consider normal. And we now are in this time of disorientation. Uh, mm. And 
I don't think that name that word even needs to be described right now. Everything is quite <laughs> disorienting uh, yeah. as we whether we're reading the news, talking with family or not being able to go about our lives as normal is pretty mm-hmm. disorienting. Um, and there is hope in this uh, whole thing with reorientation, but disorientation doesn't just mean a winter or a blizzard. There, there's the right. potential of, of what you're talking about in this language used in the article of a little ice age. Yeah. Uh, and so I really like that. And it leads so well into um, dealing with disorientation, what I would call it, or or dealing with this, the possibility of a little ice age, mm-hmm. which is the idea of grieving, mm-hmm. uh, the allowing ourselves to grieve yeah. this loss of what was normal. Yes. Well, and I think that the article just speaks to it so well. I'm going to just straight up quote it right here. It says the creative potential for hope and vision is unparalleled right now. But paradoxically, this creativity will only be available to us if we make space for grief and lament. And I really do think that much of our culture really struggles with that. Uh, Speaking from the American culture, um, we struggle with holding grief and lament and hope and vision in the same moment. And, Mm. and so much of what I've read, so much of what I've read is that in order to move forward, we're going to have to learn how to hold both, like how to have hope and also be struggling. And I think that due to some of the downsides of Western theology, especially American theology, there's so much who we're going to get deep on this one. I might have to pull myself back out before I get (laughs) in over my head, but there is so much, um, there's so much associated with if things are, God is blessing you if things are going well. And Mm -hmm. so, and that's not (laughs) bad to believe, except for the other side of when you're grieving or when things are not going well, then God must not be blessing you. Like, and that's where you see so many of these posts about God, you know, God's calling us to repentance and, and, and that's using scripture. There's truth in the scriptures that are being used, but it's like this idea of like lament and suffering can be a part of God's presence. And there can be hope and vision in the middle of grief and lament. And like uh, one of the quotes from the article is that it is actually the heart of the Christian faith is to not separate those two things that grief. And this is a quote from the article, grief and loss go together in the Christian faith with a vision and hope in a singular way, because they are the story of the cross and resurrection. There is no greater grief than Calvary, the crucifixion of the very son of God by the ones he came to save. There's no greater hope than Easter and the risen Lord of Easter made himself known to his disciples by the wounds in his hands, feet and side. So, I mean, like, and how appropriate is this that we're going to be releasing this the week of Easter? <laughs> like, you know, right. Right. And like, that we're experiencing this disorientation in a time yes. of Lent. Uh, I mean, yes, yes. We've been practicing this uh, <laughs> in our church calendar for years and years yeah. and years. Um, yeah. Being able to engage with grief and lament and yeah. sadness and unknown uh, yes. It's built into our calendar, and and we know always that there is hope on the other side of that, yeah, uh, uh, in the resurrection, in the reorientation. So yeah. I I couldn't agree with you more. Not that that makes it any more or less true. I just relate yeah. to this idea and this perspective that we can hold hurt and pain and grief right alongside hope. Uh, for the future. Yeah. And I think that's just going to be such a critical tool that none of us are going to do well right now, but to learn because things really may not ever be the same. I think when I, and just going to hop back for a second before we move into this grief a little further, the idea of um, the little ice age or the event that changes the way you understand our lives and our organizations. Um, For those who 
many of our listeners are in the Atlanta area. Many of the Canopy supporters are. But for those who are not, I, I think it was like 10 years ago, maybe Atlanta had a really bad snowstorm one day called Snowmageddon. Do you, were you around for this, Evan? Were you in Atlanta yes, for Snowmageddon? I was. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so it's ridiculous because it really wasn't that much snow, right? But to explain right. for those who are not Georgian, <laughs> most of the time in Georgia, when it snows, it snows at night because that's when it gets the coldest, right? And so you wake up in the morning, there's snow on the ground, and well, at least this, this is how it used to be. <laughs> you wake up in the morning, there's snow on the ground, and you wait to hear from the school systems, whether school's going to be closed, hear from your businesses, whether or not you're going to stay home. Well, on this particular day, it started snowing in the middle of the day, um, which is very rare <laughs> in Georgia. And without communicating with each other, all of the munis municipalities around the greater Atlanta area dismissed school and their folks from work at the same time. And our <laughs> we have bad traffic on a normal day. So when you imagine all of Atlanta hitting traffic, hitting the highways at the same time, it was an absolute parking lot. And while the while the vehicles were sitting on the roads, the the snow, the little bit there was, was melting in the ice. So people were getting into accidents because our drivers in our cars are not equipped for that. You know, it was a nightmare. I, it, for me, like, I don't know what your snowmageddon story was, Evan. I live 20 minutes from my place of work. And it took me eight hours that day to get that 20 minute ride home. Goodness. And I had other people who live, you know, they commute an hour every day and it was 24 hours before they got home. We had people like yeah. kids stuck in their schools overnight with no food. We had parents who weren't able to get to their kids. I mean, there were people having babies on the highway. <laughs> like it was, yeah, it was, yeah. thank goodness. I've, I've, and I don't know the official like death count, but I don't think it was very high for that event, but it was, it was something mm -hmm. we communally experienced, right? Like a right, heart. Right. And now, yes. and everyone jokes Atlanta for this, right? But now anytime there is a hint of snow, like even if even there is the thought that there might be snow, schools are canceled the day before people let their employees stay home from work in order to right, in right. order to be there for their kids. So when you imagine that one day having such an effect on our culture, parents complain about the number of snow days our kids end up having and there's never any snow because it never ends up snowing that day because but school was canceled the day before, you know, or the half days where they're, they don't go until later in the morning to make sure it's not going to snow. I mean, one event that affected our Atlanta culture that way. And now globally, we're having such a disruption. You just can just imagine what the future may look like when other viruses pop up that may not be anywhere near as right. um, stealthy or mysterious or deadly as COVID-19. But like, what will become the norm of, oh, hey, guys, we're just going to social distance for a week or two, or hey, why don't we work from home for a month? <laughs> you know, like you can yeah. just imagine some of the possible reactions when a whole globe has experienced the aftermath of having to socially isolate in order to protect from a virus. And who knows what that, that ice age could really look like. But the point of walking into a new normal, we need to be able to handle some grief, because I do think things are going to never quite be the same now hopefully not as dramatic as what i've just descri described of like you know every year we have a month of social distancing <laughs> or whatever the hugger in me is just not going to be able to handle that but we need <laughs> to learn how to embrace our grief because there is definitely not going to be a new norm there's definitely going to be a new normal when everything comes when the when the stock markets are back up and travel's happening again and businesses have um you know auto balanced out and um, and the viruses, this virus is gone, there will still be a new normal on the other side, if nothing else, because we've all gone through this together. Right. Um, and so that grief, like allowing ourselves to grieve is going to become a really important tool to be able to 
embrace all of that change um, because with change is automatically loss, right? Right, right. Yeah, uh, missing. Uh, so I've I've heard it put um, by another spiritual mentor of mine that I follow that uh, a big source of our suffering as a people is wanting to go back to something that we used to have. So yeah. the example he uses, people think about their their high school days and how good mm-hmm. life was, and they spend yeah. the rest of their life suffering, <laughs> wishing that they had or could recreate in some way what they had right. back in high school. And and so this idea being, as we move forward, we will need to grieve the loss of our high school days, of this pre-2020, pre-COVID-19 the, those days that we had, how we handled things, yeah. it's going to look different. And, yeah. and uh, it's going to be a source of suffering uh, to wish that they were back. Uh, right. And the, the way through that suffering is, is through grieving. Right. And this is starting to feel really heavy, but I do want to, I want to speak to this with so much hope because grief, while a challenging thing is a really healthy thing, right? Um, there was a probably even more, um, circulated than the blizzard uh, leading, you know, leading beyond the blizzard article that I was referencing is this Harvard business article. Um, yes. The title was that discomfort you're feeling is grief. It was by so good. <laughs> Scott Baranato. It was an interview with David Kessler, who's basically like he owns grief.com. <laughs> like he's, he's the world's <laughs> foremost expert on grief. And yes. it was just That's a good new way to say they wrote the book on it. <laughs> as if they right. own the domain. Own the domain. Um, but he actually did co-write several books on, you know, the, the original thoughts around the five cycles of grief. And, and he just, he speaks to that. He, he was like, you know, we feel the world has changed and it has. And while we know that this is temporary, it doesn't feel that way. And we, because deep down we realize things are going to be different, like they will be different. And it was just such a good article um, because I think when you can put words around the different kinds of grief, it really helps you understand. Because for me, I mean, everyone's asking me and my husband um, how we're doing. And, you know, I don't, I don't have kids at home. I'm not having to do my job with a toddler hanging on my you know, ankle. I'm not having to suddenly figure out how to homeschool. Um, no one in my family's health has been impacted. Um, some of their jobs have been impacted, but as a whole, my personal world, um, it has been minimally, there's minimal loss right now. Um, and we're preparing, we feel like we're so canopy life is so well prepared right now because of the generosity of our supporters to navigate the storm with at least some options, whereas other nonprofits, um, don't have that ability right now. Um, because of the way that they serve, it's too limited to continue their programs or, you know, because of their funding. And so I have felt really blessed. And yet I felt this like sense of sadness in everything. And that article really helped me to put some words around the kinds of things that I'm feeling. Like, why do I even feel grief when I don't think I've lost anything? But he speaks to anticipatory grief, like Mm. that feeling we get about what the future holds when we're uncertain, like we kind of know something's going to be lost, you know, Um, there's been a loss of like kind of safety and security. Um, The collective grief that we all, that we all experience. And he speaks, you know, to the traditional five stages of grief, which is denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance, and reminds us that these are not linear, right? That we're, we move forward and backwards one day, 
like I'm like, okay, we're going to come out of the, we're, everything's going to be great. We're going to have baseball back by June. Right. <laughs> you know? And then the next day there's this frustration, you know, that like, <laughs> that like things aren't, things are just continuing. I think, especially when we're in our homes and there's boredom, like you can definitely see people bargaining <laughs> bargaining. Right. Um, right. Um, but they're not linear. Um, and even remind us that unhealthy anticipatory grief is actually anxiety. So you need to be very aware of that. Like there's a difference between the grief that comes when you're, you're aware that you're going to be, there's going to be loss. And then that higher level of anxiety that can be very unhealthy for you. Whereas grief is a healthy process. Um, Yeah. uh, And I would even say, I don't, I don't know too much or I'm not psychologist or anything, but I've, I've dealt with grief in my own life uh, for quite a deep level, I will say. Uh, And so this idea, you mentioned awareness and I think that's, that's key enough to point out, uh, what you're saying here, the awareness of the grief process yes. is enough to change uh, a healthy grief and an unhealthy grief or, or distinguish between the two. It's yeah. enough to get you out of this anxiety place mm. into the process yeah. to, to see what's going on inside and identify it and call it out and feel it and feel yeah. it deeply. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is the difference I think between grieving and having a having an anticipatory grief that you're talking about Mm -hmm. and having an anxiety about the future. Right. Uh, And, and even whenever, so this article is one that I, I got and I'm glad we're talking about today. And the idea, same thing here as I, as I talked about the last article, the language of saying, Oh, I remember when I was in denial and I remember being angry, angry about this. And I remember bargaining. And in fact, I I've probably felt all three of those things today to the (laughs) nonlinear part of it is, is I continue to uh, have these thoughts and have these feelings and grieve what is happening in Mm -hmm. our world Mm -hmm. uh, and, and move through that. So I I love this language that you're putting to it and, and not just for individuals, but for businesses as well. And I think you're, your perspective here is not just as an individual, but as mm-hmm. a leader who is leading an organization into an unknown future. Right. Uh, trying to figure out how to deal with with grief and, in those areas. Right. Well, and I think you just hit on something so important is that there is, and I don't know that the article speaks to this, but there is a very tangible grief on behalf of other people, right? Like, mm, yeah. like um, and for me, like, I, I think my actual grief in this has ramped up over time in that like I'm now starting to grieve the potential impact on Kenya and who knows by the time someone's listening to this we may know what that is but right now there's just all of this it's almost I don't want to call it impending doom because that is not possible when Jesus is present but I'm already grieving uh, the potential impact on this country that I love or when you hear Mm -hmm. about kids who are stuck at home right now in abusive situations or um, you know some of our most amazing supporters live in Jonesboro, Arkansas, and they had a tornado last weekend. It ripped through the city and they're having to rebuild their homes in the middle of a pandemic. You know, it's just like you just grieve for people and for just the brokenness that we're all experiencing right now. And Mm, that's important too. I've heard that from quite a few people. Like, um, I don't know exactly what I'm grieving, but I feel really bad or I, I feel really heartbroken for this subset of individuals that really you know, are heavy on my heart for health workers or for people Mm -hmm. who who have lost folks in the last few weeks and can't go to the funeral or for people like yourself, Evan, who have just had a newborn and no one can come and celebrate that with you, you know, um, or mothers whose kids are not going to have graduations or senior proms or, and some of those, um, what do you, uh, 
adulthood type transitional ceremonies that we have, you know, people right, who are right. right and left are having their weddings in their backyards and unable to celebrate that life changing mm-hmm. moment with their community. And so like you, there's all, there's a lot of people experiencing grief on behalf of the other people in their world. I think the article was really interesting because he gives a couple of really tangible advice. Um, one is balancing the things you're thinking about, which I actually want to talk about later on in this conversation from a biblical perspective. Um, yep. But he talks about coming into the present, which again, I, it's really funny. I'm going to reference a devotional later in our conversation that talks about this. Um, but one of the things he talks about is like, letting go of what you can't control, which sounds so easy, right? But <laughs> there's so much we can't control right now that it's a little maddening trying to co- to figure out everything that we need to let go of. Um, and that's part of that kind of acceptance. But one of the most um, strong points that just resonated with me was to stock up on compassion. And mm. I have just experienced this again and again in the last few weeks, because all of us, I don't know any season in my life, and I'm not sure many people can, when when everybody is experiencing some sort of grief and are moving in and out of those stages. Right. Right, And as we're reaching out to work together or to problem solve together in the midst of a new normal for now, like how to engage, how to be socially active, how to serve one another, how to do school, how to get projects done at work. We're daily rubbing up against other people who are in a different stage of grief or even a different mindset of blizzard winter or ice age. Right. Right. And, um, and once or twice I've come in like very positive, like I've accepted the challenges and I'm ready to innovate and move forward. And the person I'm talking to is just angry, you know, or very hurt or depressed. And we just need a lot of compassion right now because one, we need to try our best to meet people we're at and just have such grace for all the stages of grief that we're going to be interacting with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're, um, when you're feeling really heavy and you interact with someone who's in denial, it's really hard. You know, it's really hard. Um, or in my case, I feel like I came in really strong and peppy, but I should have been more empathetic in some of these conversations and just said, kind of toned down on my positive and forward, forward thinking to be present with the people who are in a different stage of grief in that moment. Cause they might be, mm. they might be in a forward moving um, stage later in the day, but in that moment we were we were out of sync in our grief right, stages, right. and so compassion is so important because you're you are going to hurt people, people are going to hurt you because we're in these different stages. And if we could just have compassion on one another through yeah. that, and compassion on ourselves, knowing we're not going to get it right, we we're going to accidentally hurt people's feelings or get frustrated with people because because they were not in the same moment of grief that we were in. And it's just such a right. great need to um, be with people where they're at, you know, to, to yeah. move at the pace of others as you're engaging with them and let that help you with your own, with your own grief. And I, and then I think, um, can well, I say something on that? Yeah, real quick? please. Sorry. I'm just okay. like so full of no, that, that. I So I think it's uh, the reason why I want to say something is because you said something that's very profound that I, I want to just pull out and, and sit with and have it set aside and it's the stocking up on compassion, but you actually said how, in my opinion or in my experience, to do that. Because mm. uh, oftentimes I think when people are like, have more compassion, it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the the how is very complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it actually takes practice and becomes a skill in the same way that riding a bike is a skill. You know, you go from not being able to ride a bike to then riding a bike. And, mm-hmm. and uh, once you have that skill, you can practice it more often. So I, I think mm. you said the way to stock up on compassion right before you talked about stocking up on that compassion, which we're coming into the present. 
mm-hmm. and letting go of what you can't control. Mm-hmm. So if you're you're sitting there thinking about, well, how do I come up? How do I have more compassion? Be present and let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that often leads to a compassionate response to the people that you're with. Yeah. No, that's that's very very true. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, I stopped you right before you were about to jump no, into this. Well, it this just next you, part. you just made the point. <laughs> um, really, is that <laughs> he in this article? And I mean that in the best way because it just flows naturally into the fact that um, Kessler in this interview talks about this sixth stage of grief, which is finding meaning. You know, like mm. I do think that as we're all moving through this grief, sometimes we kind of try to skip ahead to the meaning um, in order to help to help us find acceptance and every now and then that will, will happen. Um, but as we continue to have compassion with one another and be present in the moment with one another and, um, and moving through it with grace, we will find this deeper meaning, um, this, um, connection to each other, this, um, kind of the meaning of life, I guess, to some degree, but but there will be this deeper meaning that comes out of it for us. And, And I think everyone's experienced that, right? Like you, you, when you have adequately grieved someone that you've lost, um, the meaningfulness of that person's presence on earth, the, the connection that you had with them, um, it comes out so much clearer on the other side, you know, and the value of life of embracing life, um, while we have it, you know, the kind of the, the joy of the temporariness of life, um, Mm there's just a meaning that comes to it. He's actually written some books on it. And after reading that article, I really want to go, go read more. I think I might want to wait till I'm a little further out of the season of grief before I study more grief. Um, but it was just <laughs> such a beautiful thing to think that there is this promise after you get through, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, there is this meaningfulness um, that we have the chance to find. And that offers a lot of, you know, a lot of hope. One, one of the, one of kind of the ideas around this is that we, by choosing to accept, to move through these stages and, and to hold grief and hope in the same hand, we get to choose our long-term response. Like we, we get to choose what our mindset is going to be or whether we're just going to stay in a place of denial and waiting for things to get back to normal, you know? And, um, there was a, I'm not going to talk about it a lot, but there was a New York Times article um, called The Moral Meaning of the Plague. It's just, I think it's just a columnist. Um, his name is David Brooks, but um, he had a lot to say about the freedom we have to respond, which right now, I mean, that's one of the few things we can control right now, right, is our response, is our mindset. Um, it may not be perfect because of all the grief, you know, it might have right. a lot of messiness to it, but we can allow ourselves grace to grieve like that's a choice right mm-hmm. compassion on others while they grieve um and the ability to keep moving forward and innovating which we'll talk about in a minute but i of course anything by victor frankel i love <laughs> reading and he just yeah. quoted um or he talked about Vic- victor frankel's writings from the middle of the holocaust that um basically frankel in the article he he says that frankel reminded us that we don't get to choose our difficulties but we do have the freedom to select our responses Meaning, he argued, comes from three things, the work we offer in times of crisis, the love we give, and our ability to display courage in the face of suffering. And I think like that's the meaningfulness that we're going to discover as we continue to lean in together and move through grief together. It's how we're going to be able to hold hope and and vision and also lament at the same time. It's because we'll begin focusing like, okay, what what good work can we offer in this crisis? You know, like how much love 
can we give, not just in this crisis, but ongoing? And what is our ability to be courageous in the face of suffering? Like, how can we rise up together and how can we find that trust inside of ourselves? You know, that trust in God, that trust in, um, in our fellow man that will help us to, to act with courage in the middle of the time when there's literally global suffering on various levels, you know, and it just kind of brought this like, um, fullness to that thought for me of the kind of meaning that can come out of allowing ourselves to grieve. And that's how we also are able to find hope and vision, um, as we move forward. Absolutely. And, uh, it's uh, just the idea that this is coming from somebody who suffered so greatly. So right. Um, right. somebody who understands suffering in, in ways that those of us, uh, most of us cannot relate to. But mm-hmm. in the small ways comparatively that I've suffered in my life, I would say that they have provided the most meaning going forward. Right. Uh, and, and I love the idea that we have the ability to choose how we respond. Mm-hmm. Or I, I play around with this word responsibility in my head a lot uh, because I wanted to find a definition for myself that mm-hmm. didn't include controlling something. <laughs> right. Because uh, I, I don't, I, I think control is oftentimes an illusion and we, I won't go down this path, but my, my new definition, my reality for this word responsibility is is just quite simply my ability to respond Hmm. and and the responsibility our responsibility is to respond in a courageous and a loving way Mm -hmm. uh, as we go through this crisis and Mm -hmm. we can find meaning out of the suffering that comes from uh, what we're all going through yeah I think that one of the I think this is kind of reflected in a kind of a bigger thought that um, Andy Stanley who's the pastor of a local church um, shared in one of his sermons in the middle of this. And he was like, you know, when, when COVID-19 is a story that you're telling your kids about that, that first pandemic, that hopefully only pandemic, but that first global incident that when that's a story you're telling your kids, like, what's the story? Like, what is going to be your story in the middle of that? And I think that's just an example of how we're already by looking for meaning now, it will also help us to move through some of the suffering and grief that we're experiencing on various levels, you know, um, is, search for that now define it now um and it will also find you on the other on the other side of it so absolutely yeah uh okay so the next uh uh, do you want to move on to this next well uh, i think point here on mindsets or do you have more on this i think we had talked about possibly breaking this into two um two different segments and i think that we've given them a lot to chew on Uh, we've really given you guys a lot to chew on. Uh, hopefully um, you'll have time after listening to this to dive into some of these articles. You can find it on our blog. Um, and then we'll ramp up in our next podcast. We want to talk and move forward into like why our mindsets are so important, why the words we're choosing are going to impact how we lead through this season. Um, and also kind of go back to how do we f- um, make sure that our imagery of the future and is not one of anxiety? Um, how do we learn from some of our past um, seasons in order to to find positivity where does all that positivity and vision and hope come from and how to make sure that's included in everything so as we process through the grief where do we start um, putting tactical skills and thoughts and mindset practices into holding on to the vision and hope that's in christ as we move into the future i think i would love to talk about that on our next podcast Okay, let's do it. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, place to end here. So uh, tune in next time. Uh, tune in to the next episode uh, where Christy and I will kind of jump into uh, new thoughts on this. 